0: Podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm.
1: Welcome to Run With It, the show that brings you untapped business ideas from successful entrepreneurs. My name is Chris Justin, and I'm here with Ethan Janney. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good.
2: Yeah. I'm just working on my sleep and stuff like that in life and I'm drinking some citrusy water here with some lime in it to uh keep my my health positive. How are you doing Chris?
1: I'm doing just dandy. It's a Friday afternoon podcast for us recording which is always fun. I feel like it brings out the uh you know a goofier side. So, I'm looking forward dandy to having is an this. excellent word. Dandy. Yeah, underused yes. word I'll
2: say. Fine and dandy.
1: Yeah. We're here with Matt Wilson. He's the co-founder and CEO of Under 30 Experiences. He has got an idea to help digital nomads. I don't know if you like that that phrase, but uh, uh, remote workers with families, perhaps, to, um, to be able to find good locations across the world to be able to just get there and, and get going, and um, and without having to worry about Wi-Fi and, and uh, a crib for a baby and things like that. So, Matt, do you remember when you first thought of this idea? Yeah, so actually, uh, I have to give full credit to my
0: business partner, Jared O'Toole, uh, co-founder of Under 30 Experiences and uh,
2: Under 30 CEO before that. Wait a second, what are you doing here? Why don't we get him on the show? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he should
2: have. You should have reached out to him.
0: That would have been. That would have been the thing. He came up with the idea. We were brainstorming. Okay, we've been dramatically affected by COVID nineteen, in our business. We're in the travel business, and we, of course, uh, are looking on with uh, a bit enviously to all the companies that are doing great because of this. And we're thinking, well, how can we get on the winning side of this thing? And um, yeah, just just kicking around ideas. And it, mainly because now everybody is a digital nomad, right? Uh, almost everyone has remote work privileges if you worked in an office. Um, so you're seeing all of a sudden there's people who are selling their places, trying to move to the suburbs or trying to everybody and their mother is moving to Florida, um, you know, fleeing the Bay Area, trying to find lower cost of living, trying to, I don't know, not be holed up in a small little apartment in a metropolitan area. And so we're trying to come up with a solution for people who want to work digitally, but they are the person in tech, they may or may not have a family, but when you have a family, it's more complicated. Um, And you need really good Wi-Fi and you kind of need to be just set up and ready to go kind of like a, a soft landing I've heard it referred to as and Jared spent a lot of time on, on looking for Airbnbs that but he wanted to make sure because uh, you know his his wife had special requirements with the internet um, had to be really strong she needed actually for whatever reason she needed a place to plug in her her desktop. Um, there were a handful of requirements that they had, but he also wanted to be close to the beach where he could go fishing. And um, yeah, so we just kind of saw opportunity for this remote work lifestyle uh, beyond Airbnb and that the idea is half-baked, but we'd like to integrate some piece of technology into it, whether it's a search engine or, or whatnot. We are more on the uh, travel service provider, which is not as scalable as technology, and so that's where we started to look at this and saying, okay, what what is a, a digital solution here? Now there could be could be a concierge service. I'll give one example, and then I'll turn it back over to you guys. But my brother had a kid, or had twins, and we went to go and visit my grandmother in Key West, Florida. And uh, he and his partner found some type of concierge, probably who sets people up with weddings and vacation rentals and, and this kind of stuff. And they came in and they bought they brought a crib. They bought floor they brought floor uh, mats for the floors so the babies could safely crawl around and not hit their head. They brought um, like these the, this fence so the baby wouldn't go. I don't know where my grandmother didn't want them want them to go. And they rolled in and in 20 minutes the whole place was set up. And I don't know they swiped their credit card and that was it. it oh, they came with a stroller, like the whole you know. And for twins, that's quite a lot of work. And uh, they weren't working remotely; it was just Christmas vacation, but if you are trying to put in your 40, 50 hours a week or whatever you work uh, remotely, and then have the time when you're off to actually be able to go and fish or surf or or go out with the family, just be on the beach, you don't really want to be messing with that stuff. And you don't want to get to a place where you know, I've, I've worked remotely for the past 10 years so all over the world. And I can tell you when I get to indonesia and the wi-fi is bad it's really stressful so trying to solve that problem is uh, is what we were kicking around
2: that experience that you described sounds pretty magical i mean having, having so basically it's someone just coming to your location they know what someone with children would need and they just kind of hit the ground they they have these supplies they unpack it all they they set it up and they they they're out of there and they collect the the, the, yeah, the that's, that's kind of that's what, what they is doing.
0: Um, and I'm not saying we have to replicate that, but nice. that certainly added to the experience.
2: That's pretty incredible. I mean, even from from my own experience, you know, I have a three-year-old and it's been quite interesting. My wife and I, before we were married and had a kid, and even while we were married, you know, we, we really enjoyed traveling and just running around, going to different countries, going to different places, going to different Airbnbs and stuff like that. And I was pretty struck by now how difficult it became once we had a kid you know and and the amount of things that you're carrying around right like every time you get on a plane you got the stroller and then you got the travel crib and then you got the extra suitcase with all the other stuff that you need to bring along is that car seat you know like there's so many different things and that prospect of just showing up and all this stuff is ready for you that that sounds like kind of a fantasy. So I I don't, I, and there's pain there too, you know. And that's a good that's a good place to to try to do business, where people have an unsolvable problem, it's causing them a lot of stress, and they just want to get rid of it. So I like I like this it reminds this me whole, of Nomad Fist,
1: which listener may be familiar with. Have you heard of it, Matt?
2: Oh yeah, I use it all the time.
1: Yeah, so it's not exactly the same thing here, but it is serving a similar need. It's maybe for a different demographic. Uh, someone younger and someone single, but I'm wondering if there's a way. So for those the listener who does not know what Nomad List is, it's a uh, community of remote workers that it also tells you which places are the best places to work remotely. So I'm looking at the website right now. You can see Mexico City. It tells you average internet speed. It tells you about how much it would cost per month to live there. It tells you the temperature. Uh, air quality index. Uh, so it highlights all of those things for you in a very easy to consume format. That is just informational. Of course, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. It's the next level to uh, to have someone actually set up the space for you. And I'm thinking that this would be an evolution of that potentially. Um, I'm wondering if Peter Levels, the founder of Nomad List, would, is looking for opportunities to increase revenue or, or serve a higher market. And one way to, uh, to pursue this would be to reach out to him and say, Hey, I will, I'll, uh, I've got this idea to help level your service, uh, give you a 50% commission. Ethan said 10% earlier. He said, I was being too generous, but let's say 50%, you know, if you don't have a lot of experience doing this, maybe you're very generous with that. Did you just say that just to make me look stingy? What's going on here? No, that's not stingy. You're, that's that's like a, a capitalist, you know. <laughs> capitalist. Yeah, you're fine. I, I uh between 10 and 50%. Between, somewhere yeah. between 10 and 15-50%, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but then you then you have this ready-made list and potentially Peter has all of these previous customers who have rolled off because they a he list. Has a list of, of people who uh, loved Nomad List five years ago, but now they have families and it's not exactly what they need. So you can uh, sell to them very quickly. By
2: the way, he'd be, gr- he'd be a great person to work with. I mean, his story is pretty fascinating. He started Nomad List. Uh, I think he was doing some sort of a, a sprint of trying to do a bunch of startup ideas and see which one stuck. He started with just a crowdsourced spreadsheet of data with people living around the world and started to gather a user base and people interested, create a membership model. Simplest thing that he started with, was just a paid membership uh, Slack group. And I think by now he's making at least 300,000 on that project, which to be honest, seems like it, could pro- it probably has room to grow its revenue. Um, 300,000 is, is not a high revenue business. So he Number one, he knows how to bootstrap a project. So he'd be a great person to work with and get on your team. But also he does, he has all, all of this infrastructure laid down in terms of the contacts and potentially the marketing and it'd be, it could be, could be quite a fruitful Ethan, How
0: do you know that Nomad List makes
2: $300,000 in revenue a year? Is that published somewhere? I mean, I think he actually might have laid it on his website, to hmm. be honest. I think it's I think it's at levels. Oh, his personal <laughs> website, levels.io slash nomad list founder. I believe that's where I got that information. Yeah. Interesting. It's probably slightly old though. You know, it's probably not uh, I guess it could be less now because of all the quarantine and the lack of interest in travel. But that's something I think we should dive into at some point too. We ha- we've had some travel related ideas on here recently and the one thing that's cool about travel related and I'm, I'm counting our scooter episode as travel related which is a little bit of a stretch but um is just preparing for the rebound right like like you said matt i mean things might be slow now but it, one day it's just a wave is going to come in and for those that aren't prepared who are still on like uh pause mode and and not prepared and maybe even haven't been um you know, like running up to it, right. Like creating pre- preliminary momentum up to that, you know, ex- extreme travel period. Uh, you're going to lose out if you're not prepared, put it that no, way. We're,
0: we're hoping for that snap back, uh, the sooner, the better, because we've been preparing for basically the last year.
1: <laughs> so thinking about what, what other approaches do you guys have for getting something like this going? What are some of the first steps I, I threw out mine of, reaching out to Peter Levels and building a a co-branded type thing or extending Nomad List to an up-level market. What other angles can we take?
0: There are some services. I don't know uh, who's around and who's not, but like Remote Year, for example. Okay, they set you up with places to work and you kind of go on their schedule. But a big side of what they do is community. Now, if you're traveling with families, yeah, it would be nice to get to know other other people uh, possibly. And I think we're all in COVID mindset right now when we're not trying to meet other people. That's kind of something to consider. These work live places are becoming more popular. I know, again, this is a communal thing. Uh, We just saw WeWork implode, et cetera. There's definitely something to be had just looking at Airbnb's pivot that they had to make. All of a sudden they thought, oh God, we can't go public. Um, You know, Travel is gonna be decimated. And then they realized that, oh, wait a second, people are gonna travel. They're just gonna travel differently. They're just gonna find a cabin in the woods and say, this is way better than my New York City apartment. And um, they're gonna stay for a month. And so just looking at these different solutions we may be able to draw ideas. That's usually what I go to when I'm in the idea generation phase: is what else exists, and uh, how are they solving the problem, and then how do we differentiate ourselves?
1: Jump back in. I uh, we we're talking about Nomad List revenue. They're on Indie Hackers, so uh, in, in, on Indie Hackers, you can link your Stripe account to. Uh, the platform. So you can actually see how much money they're making and it's actual actual proof. proof. So last month it was $26,486 and 28 cents, December, 2020. So about 25 K per month. Interestingly in, uh, in March and April, they got down to the 12 K or so range, but uh, they bounced back up to 25 K by July and they've been holding there since. So they've done decently well. You can also find Peter
2: Level's uh, social security number on Indie Hackers' uh, profile as well. <laughs> well, I was just—I was going to bring up this this topic that Chris and I were just chatting about a little bit previously. In terms of what's already out there, now what about what what other businesses out there not necessarily generate your leads to get started, but like present a model that might be interesting? And one surprising example that popped in my head was McDonald's. So. Uh, McDonald's has this model. A lot of people consider uh, McDonald's actually a real estate company, right? They, they buy uh, the properties and build the McDonald's franchise units uh, on those properties, but they own that real estate. And then the franchisee, I think that's an appropriate word, they pay fees in order to run that particular local restaurant. And uh, so we were talking about what, you know, you could actually create you know, a worldwide network of locations that are are specifically for people working remotely, digitally, you would have a lot of power there because you would start to understand how to get great internet uh, set up, things like that. You might even have leverage, leveraging power uh, when making purchases and, you know, design skills and things like that. You could use, use designs over and over again. So it'd be an interesting angle to have At least in the long term. So maybe you could start with one location, set up your own little digital nomad, special place for families in Puerto Rico or Costa Rica or something like that. But with an eye of codifying everything that you do, so that you replicate it in other places, and then you can benefit as you build a list of individuals
1: and you can start a franchise out what you've learned. I think that would be a logistical nightmare. I'm sure there are people out there who would be excited by that
2: idea we don't have to do it chris that's the nice thing about our show <laughs> i you know i can just i can just explain what you need to do and people can listen and you know i could pretend like it's it's just a hop skip and a jump i'm thinking about uh in
1: the philippines if you i lived in the philippines
2: i'm just thinking about chris my island in
1: where where was it in Argentina, in Argentina yeah. yeah, you can buy an island in Argentina for a million dollars or something like that. But in the Philippines, you can't actually own land unless you're a Filipino citizen, for example. And I'm sure that there are all these other restrictions all across the world to uh, to purchasing property and governments are not... The US isn't maybe the best country in the world in terms of efficiency, but it's... Uh,
2: Side note, by the way, by the way, I think it was Derek Sivers, the founders of CD Baby. I think he wrote a series of books on how to start businesses in different countries, which I think is, is, is quite fascinating. So, yeah, I, OK, I, it's terribly difficult. Tell me it's horrible. But if you do think about doing it, Derek Sivers might be an interesting resource. I think he's a like a really yeah. nice guy with a lot of time on his hands, actually.
1: I think it'd be far easier and far more scalable to to use the properties that other people already have and use the existing infrastructure. If I were doing this, I would probably, I would not do any of the legwork upfront in terms of getting things set up. I would uh, try and get someone, try and get customers. So try and find someone um, like your co-founder, Matt, who is, is looking for a place to work, find out where he wants to go. Let's say that he said Jakarta, And then I would go and try and find someone in Jakarta to set up all the stuff. And it'd be a very manual process at first, but I think it would be horribly inefficient to try and predict where people are going to want to go. Um, And then you can, of course, codify how you get all that set up and hire a virtual assistant potentially to to do that outreach and to make postings in in the local places. Uh, You can figure out the scaling piece afterward, but I'm trying to buy real estate all over the place and that makes me uh, <laughs> it makes me want to cry thinking about how how rough that would be but do you have any real estate like investments i um i have a mortgage on the house
2: yeah i mean it's not i mean it's intimidating once you first start buying properties not that i i have one other rental property but you know it is intimidating but once you get one or two I just think it'd be so hard to do that in Brazil or <laughs> it's I'm just gonna jump in and and tell you from from
0: experience uh, yeah, no it's that's very difficult. I mean I've i I've owned businesses in other countries or at least I can I can speak directly to living in Costa Rica for a very long time and uh, mm-hmm. owning a business there and it was very difficult. Financing from banks uh, for real estate is very difficult. I tried to buy property down there you have to do owner financing um unless you're going to fork over a bunch of cash starting a business like this and and uh yeah buying this in cash is
2: it's unrealistic
0: yeah just uh, but i i think what what chris is saying about okay yes yeah, set up set up these places and uh, then figure it out from there because also tying yourself to one place this is opposite of the mentality and not just to one place like buying a place unless you know that this is going to be a fantastic investment right like i looked into buying property in nicaragua when democracy was and capitalism were booming and then all of a sudden daniel ortega decided that now we're going to go back to socialism and people are going to be starving in this country. And that's what happened. And so all the people who bought beachfront property then, and when tourists were flocking there, yeah, that was great. um, But it's not so great anymore, unfortunately. And and tourist locations rotate. And so we've looked into many times, oh, well we should just buy this hotel. We bring, we pack this hotel uh, in, in many parts of the world well, I'm glad I'm not sitting on those notes right now, um, trying to pay those bills. So.
1: so thinking about your main business under 30 experiences, you guys take people 21 to 35 all over the world and and give them curated, fun, engaging experiences in ways that would be difficult for them to plan themselves. Why don't you take on this idea? What scares you about about this idea that you've shared with us?
0: Scalability, I think that's the first part. Um, And if I'm going to start another business, honestly, I'd probably like to diversify, especially uh, from what we're seeing in the economic climate. Like I would really like to do something in cryptocurrency right now, because (laughs) that proved to be a lot more anti-fragile than uh, the travel industry. When you have one business that goes down, Uh, when uh, some type of, okay, here, let me take another shot and and say Black Swan event comes along, well, then you hope that one of your other investments uh, is going to fluctuate in the the opposite direction. So I'm definitely a little, uh, maybe over-leveraged isn't the right word, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. That's my main business is travel right now. So even though, and I'll just say, i know travel i know i can do well in travel um it probably it does make a lot of sense to double down on what you know and what you're you're good at and where your connections are and your experiences are but uh yeah i i think i could be successful
2: in other places as well quick question here now that you brought up you know your your familiarity with travel you mentioned airbnb are you seeing any other players in travel where you're seeing what they're doing and you're saying, Oh, wow. They're, they're playing it smart right now. You know, kind of like we talked about earlier about, you know, pre- preparing for when things are going to start going well. Have you seen anything you don't have to have, but just curious. Well, um I'm not sure about it. This doesn't exactly answer your
0: question, but one company that I really like is Selena's hostels and they probably do buy the real estate and they outfit these uh these hostels or they buy hotels or whatever but they have they've become these kind of nomad hubs and sure a lot of them are for backpackers but now they've pivoted the way airbnb has and they're saying come to mexico and work and live we have good wi-fi and a place to hang out and a pool and a bar and um you know, that's for young people who are are not so much at risk for COVID. That's, that's very interesting I, to them. I don't know how well that they're doing. I wouldn't want to stay at a Salinas hostel with my family um, because it's, it's more of a party place. Um, so yeah, but that was like, there was one that popped up in my town in Costa Rica and I used their co-working space and yeah, it was a little, I would pass the pool where people were boozing and uh, hanging out at three o'clock in the afternoon, um, which is fine, but they try to attract people for more long-term stays. So I'm not sure who's really doing well in travel because of this, uh, but that's the, that's the pivot that you're seeing is people are doing longer-term stuff.
2: Let's, uh, I wanted to share this story, actually, from a previous guest of ours, also doing something in the travel space, a little bit aligned with what you're working on. Jules Schroeder, she's episode 23 of Run With It. Uh, she was working as a traditional op- uh, entrepreneur, uh, doing pretty well in her mid-20s. She had some sort of a traumatic accident, I think surfing or something like that, had, had some kind of you know, mystical dream almost that she was going to host entrepreneurs within a different country. I think it was Bali or something. And she decided to pursue this idea and, and it worked out, you know, and she's, I think she she gets around say 50 attendees. She might have them pay like 500, $5,000 per an event can raise a pretty good sum of money that way. And in some of these countries, it might only cost you a thousand dollars a person for a four night stay. to work things out and so in the end you might walk away with a couple hundred thousand dollars so it's possible to do this kind of thing and we're in this kind of downturn we've got people who are craving travel you know like you said with airbnb people are i want i got to get out of my house i've heard this so much people are moving it's very clear that we're getting antsy
1: i live in pittsburgh as uh, the listener may know and January, late January in Pittsburgh is pretty rough weather wise. You can get, don't get a whole lot of sun. You get, uh, you know, it's snowing outside right now. It's in the 20s, 20s Fahrenheit. I know people who have left Pittsburgh for Hawaii and, and Puerto Rico and are just staying there and and doing that during COVID because they're not you know they're not mingling a whole lot they're not going to they're not going there to go to restaurants and and uh get in group gatherings but they're working remotely they're going to be there for the long haul i think that i would challenge the idea that that demand for this idea doesn't exist i think people are looking for that i know someone who um they did the same thing from new york they went to hawaii and they have a i don't know 6 month old and a and a 2 year old they had to bring their One of their mothers to take care of all uh, of the kids while they worked and and take care of a lot of the logistics. But I think there are a lot of people out there right now who would benefit from. So here's my
2: idea to get started, which we may also find some type of logistical nightmare, but a lot less low investment, a lot less risk. You know, if you're someone who has a family, knows other people whose family. Have have a family. Make you just make a post on Facebook. Hey, anybody really antsy to travel, is in this crazy COVID time, whatever. If you are, get in touch with me, and I'll try to set up your trip, and I'll try to make it as easy as possible for you. Right, I'll get your crib set up. I'll get everything taken care of. Make sure you get the good Wi-Fi. I'll be the intermediary, and you use that not only as a proof of concept. Maybe you do the first few for free or for a small fee or something like that, but also just to like test what is it going to take to to logistically get these things done. And if you feel like you get a ton of responses to that type of a post, then you go, hmm, maybe I've got an idea here. And if you move on with it and it's manageable enough, then you think about taking the next step.
0: Okay, I, I wanna say a handful of things. Uh, one, I'll backtrack and just say, I, I don't know um, the previous podcast guest and how they were they were doing this, but I don't want anybody on who's listening to think that, these type of retreats and stuff are should be that profitable um, because people really can tell people who come, especially if you're doing this for entrepreneurs, which is how under 30 experiences started. We were under 30 CEO.com. We grew that uh, to about half a billion readers per month. And then we started running retreats and we people are price sensitive, so I just want to yeah, I just want to throw that out just for anybody listening. Definitely try not to gouge uh, people. Like, be fair with your margins. Um, under thirty experiences is a low margin business, and. We have to do high volume uh, to be able to really make it work for us because otherwise people can just do this on their own and retreats really you really have to sell the community section, you know, community part of it. Uh, My wife is a yoga teacher and so on the side we will run yoga retreats and some teachers who think they're the best teachers in the world. Will charge five ten thousand dollars for a yoga retreat, um, where the accommodations and the food and whatever else is included come out to like two grand, and everybody gets there and they see that there's not the value. You know, you're not getting the value. Other than, I mean, your life better be transformed if that's what you're paying for.
1: I would lean toward charging per trip, and I'll throw out a number. I'd say five hundred bucks. It gets you, we'll find the right accommodation for you. We'll do everything for you. You give us, it's a true concierge service. Give us your credit card info. We'll book the the location. We'll book the travel to it and from it if you need to. We'll get you the, the crib. We'll get you everything that you need to. And then it's just a $500 service fee on top of it. I know personally, if I were trying to set that all up, it would probably take three hours of time at least. And I don't know the, the people there. So... If it's, let's say it's 10 hours because I don't actually know someone on the ground who knows the cleaning crew or the Wi-Fi person or all that, then if you start adding that up, I think $500 would be reasonable.
0: So I'm going to jump in and say that nobody likes service fees. So if you can figure out how to add this in as margin on the accommodations, I would say if you are trying to you know look at it as a on a per month basis and if you're going to go away it depends where you're going but you're not finding an Airbnb for a month in North America for less than $2500 say you you are able to negotiate all right you know negotiate the price of the room down because Airbnb. Part of that is all that Airbnb stuff. You have your cleaning fees that get passed through, which is not bad. But as the person who's going to, as the remote worker, you don't you only get it cleaned when you're done. I would like my place cleaned once a week at least if I'm going to again focus on working and then going and having fun. So you can add in these things um, and watch the price kind of jump up. Uh, but I would say, and these can be priced out between 2500 and and five grand uh, a month. I think for someone who was making six figures in income, I think that's very acceptable. I don't know what you guys think.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, a, a good model as well as just roll it all into the accommodations fee. I was picturing doing it separate, but yeah, I think either way would work. We are at time here. There's a lot more that we could talk about with this idea. I'm glad we got you pumped up about it, Matt. That's always one of Ethan and my goal uh, when we're having these conversations. so that's good to hear if the listeners should
2: start telling people we should start telling people that we're uh, we've actually just been hired by their competitors to distract them from their
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> existing business <laughs> get you really excited and, and split your attention. So to the listener who is also pumped up about this, let us know what you think about it. Where, where we right? where are we completely off base? Feel free to send us your advice at update at runwithit.fm. Mm-hmm. We'd also love a review on Apple podcasts. That's super helpful in getting more people to find the show. Matt, you talked a little bit about under 30 experiences. Anything else that you'd like to share?
0: I mean, you can, of course, check us out under 30experiences.com. Uh, we do trips for young people, ages 21 to 35, and we are really focus on community and active trips. So that doesn't have anything really to do with business, although a lot of entrepreneurs do come. On our trips, but uh, just fun getaways where you get to meet other people. That's the that's really the the point. Anywhere from Peru and Machu Picchu, uh, Costa Rica, Belize. I'm, I'm rattling off a few places that are open to to U.S. travelers uh, at the moment, and you know, in 2021, uh, yeah, the rest of the world will be open uh, as far as I can tell. So, and yeah, on social, Matt Wilson TV is uh, where you can find me. Twitter and Instagram is is where I'm most active. Great, thanks so much. I have a book, I forgot. I have a book, The Millennial Travel Guidebook, Escape More, Spend Less, Make Travel a Priority in Your, in your Life. Uh, available on Amazon. I'm supposed to say that
1: that makes uh, my team matter. <laughs> <You> know, Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Matt Wilson, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. This was fun. Thank you, guys.
0: The podcast hosting for the Run With It podcast is provided by Transistor.fm.